Welcome in once again to the Talking Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I am joined, as I am always, on the podcast by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. Also, of course, the daily radio host of Southern Fried Sports at 100.9 FM in Tuscaloosa. You can get that from 11 to noon on weekdays. The Talking Tide podcast available to you at our web host, first and foremost, and always first at our web host. That's at podbean.com. You can also find us on an assortment of apps, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. The Twitter feed is talking underscore tide. We link our podcasts each time to that Twitter feed. So jump on there if you want to keep up with the pace here on Talking Tide. Going to have an abbreviated version of the podcast for you here uh, this evening as Alabama approaches its first game in the Southeastern Conference Tournament. Travis, we now know that Alabama will be playing Mississippi State. It'll be on ESPN Friday. That'll be a, a noon tip-off in Nashville at Bridgestone Arena. Alabama comes into the game 21-6 and with a conference record of 16-2, and Travis. And uh, they jump in, I guess, already a quarterfinal without even having to lace them up. That's uh, the advantage of the bye, of course. And and uh, Alabama taking on a team that, that they've already beat twice. They'll be going for three in a row against the Bulldogs. Yes, they will. You're right. 2-0 and in the regular season. Did it a couple different ways, really, too. Had to grind one out in round two in Starkville uh, that essentially wrapped up that regular season SEC title for the Alabama men's basketball team. First time around, Alabama made 14 threes. That's more along the lines of what they like. Shoot around 45% from the three-point line like they did. In the first meeting, again, the second meeting, it didn't come as easy, really, for either team. It was a pretty ugly game. It was more along the lines of what you would think Mississippi State would like to have happen once again as far as keeping Alabama somewhere in the 60s, the mid-60s. You would like the Bulldogs' chances better on Friday in that scenario. So, you know, one of these games, uh, the the two games this year, Jordan Bruner didn't play, missed the first game with the knee injury sustained against Kentucky a couple of games prior. Uh, he did appear for 16 minutes in that second matchup, didn't score, did play 16, uh, did play 16 minutes again. And uh, so we'll see, you know, it's, you know, they, they say it's tough to beat a team three times in one season. Uh, it was going to be the case either way. If it was Kentucky, that was a team Alabama swept in the regular season and here comes Mississippi state now fresh off hanging on against big blue on Thursday for a one point win. That looked like it was going to be a cruise there for Mississippi state at the half, but uh, you know what Alabama doesn't want to have happen to it on Friday is what happened to Kentucky on Thursday up in Nashville, Mississippi state points in the paint 46 to 22, the edge over UK in a one-point win. Iverson Molliner, 21 points for the Bulldogs in that one, 8 of 10 from the field, really hot shooting for sure. And we kind of closed the book on the worst Kentucky team I can remember, Travis. Uh, what? How do we what, – what's on the epitaph for this Calipari squad uh, that's gone out, I guess, uh, with, with, with nine wins here at this point in the season? I guess kind of like uh... – 
kind of like Duke too, right? I mean, Duke didn't even make it to the end of the season because of the COVID, but you know, I think there'll be some grace given to teams like Kentucky and Duke because they are so one and done dependent. And with all the sort of uh, uncertainty that COVID brought about and changes in the schedule, as far as ramping up to the season and, you know, being able to get a young team together like Duke and Kentucky field on an annual basis now, and not just a young team, but Kentucky, if it isn't freshmen, it seems like it's transfers that they're plugging in there with Cal. And so, you know, not having that that ability to 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 get it together, to form that continuity on, on some level. But, you know, when I look at this Kentucky team, they just, they really struggled to score the basketball. And uh, they made 11 threes, actually, against Mississippi State on Thursday. That's a pretty good number for this Kentucky team, but uh, just didn't have really um, maybe more so with a an emphasis on uh, the backcourt, you know, that consistent dude on the ball. Didn't have that John Wall type, uh, didn't have that De'Aaron Fox, didn't have that type of dynamic player to start with on the basketball. No doubt about it. It's a rough year. Nothing says it's been a nutty year in college basketball than to be able to say that Kentucky and Duke are down in the same year. As I'm sure that's been decades since since both of those teams had a, had a lousy year in the, in the same season. So crazy, crazy, no doubt about it. Alabama uh, in this game coming up against Mississippi State. Travis, they're favored by... I'll give, I'll give you your choice of the four options, okay, against the Vegas man. He, he's calling it Alabama by eight and a half, and he's calling the over-under 141. Now, in Alabama's home game against Mississippi State, uh, the over would have hit had that been the number. Uh, but the game in Starkville, had that been the number there, uh, the under would have hit. So uh, you got right your choice. Middle. Yeah, yeah he, he's he, playing that flag right in the middle, just like he always does. He makes, he likes, you, <laughs> he makes you make a decision yes, that you does. don't feel good about, and then, you know, you sit there and squirm for 120 minutes on, on Friday morning. You know, that's how you kick off your Friday, squirming on that total. Yeah, he loves that. So I'll give you your choice of the four, Travis. If you had to make a buck, would you lay the eight and a half, take the eight and a half, or go over or under 141 of those four options? What looks like the safest play to you? I'm going to go over the 141. I think this game gets into the 70s. I think it is somewhere. Look, both these teams were – we can talk about good defense and things. It was it was tough on the eyes in Starkville when they combined for, what was it, 123 points in that five-point Alabama win. Uh, I'm more inclined to go – over the 141 and a half, if you're going to make me uh, kind of just for grins, take one of those. But uh, I don't think I'd feel good about any of them. You know, I mean, State and Kentucky are so similar in terms of if you turn the channel even for 10 minutes, you know, it could be a totally different game when you revisit it. You know, Mississippi State has a 14-point lead in that game on uh, Thursday over Kentucky, and then you switch back on there in the second half, and here comes Kentucky. Now, a lot of that had to do with, you know, some bench scoring that the Wildcats were able to get from uh, one of their guards. Uh, Allen had 23 in the game, went off kind of there in the second half from three, had six of Kentucky's 
uh, 11 threes to Dante Allen. But, no, I, I, I would probably go over if I had to pick one of those. Yeah. Uh, and if Alabama shoots the ball like they're capable of, they could get themselves in the mid-80s and really carry Yeah, they, they make 14 threes like they did the first time. Yeah. And I, I think it's an easy uh, over 141 and a half. They make seven like they did in the second matchup. Yeah, you're going to be sweating that over there. Yeah. Saw a tweet this morning, Travis, that grabbed my eye from your longtime organization, BamaOnline.com, that the Crimson Tide enters the tournament leading the league in rebounds per game at 40.3. What about that? Yeah, that's pretty impressive, you know, and they're going to need it against this Mississippi State team because uh, it's going to be tough on the glass and in the pain, as we sort of outlined earlier in the podcast with the damage that State did against Kentucky. I think State in both games against Alabama – outscored Alabama by 12 in the paint. So you got to keep that number somewhere around there if you're going to have a deficit uh, at the in the paint against the state team. And then on the boards, I think they split the first two games in terms of rebounding differentials. So, you know, Alabama, as we've talked about many times before, going back to Nate Oates' first season a year ago, it's a collective effort on the glass. Uh, when you look at Mississippi State, it could be Tulu Smith and Abdullah Du uh, that in the second meeting between Alabama and State, those two guys combined for 22 of Mississippi State's 40 rebounds. So they have legit post guys that do a lot of their heavy lifting on the glass. Also happening with the Alabama basketball program, Travis, since we last podcasted, uh, some honors going out. Nate Oates named Coach of the Year. No surprise there uh, with the season his squad had. Also, Herb Jones named SEC Player of the Year and SEC Defensive Player of the Year. Only three times ever has the same guy uh, won the POI and the DPOI in the league. Herb Jones, a deserving guy, really been a, a glue for this team uh, not only this year but but for a couple of years now but especially this season he's been outstanding yeah and the only other two guys to do it both Kentucky players so that's kind of tells you the 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 the, the uh, residents that that Herb is taking up and winning both of those honors but you know it falls in line with what this team has been in SEC play you go 16 and 2 in league play, you get off to the tremendous start that they did to start conference action and then, you know, finished well enough, won three straight down the stretch. It's it's interesting with her because you look at his stat line and in today's uh, way of evaluating athletes in general, really, we pretty much are bottom line. You know, how, how many points do they score? How many yards do they rush for, pass for? Uh, what How many home runs? How many RBI? Um, you know, we, we're pretty cut and dry a lot of times with how we evaluate athletes, but with Herb, it, it truly is everything that goes into it. Yes, he averaged 10.9, six rebounds. You talk about steals, um, you know, assists, things like that. From a team perspective, he's right there at the top leading in all those areas. Shackelford leads Alabama in scoring right now, a little more than 14 points per game, but you know, I think we all know. You know, and it helps Herb, too, that he's been around for a while. So you're familiar with what really makes him impactful, which is the defensive end and, you know, also the intangibles that he brings 
to the basketball team. So, you know, that exposure that you've already had to Herb, there's a familiarity there that if you were going to have the kind of stat line that he had this year offensively, you could still take home the kind of awards he did from an individual perspective with an emphasis on player of the year, first team all SEC, and what we're going to likely see even at the All-American level. Looking ahead beyond the Mississippi State game, the winner will take on the winner of Florida and Tennessee. The Gators knocking off the Vanderbilt Commodores 69-63. Florida a five seed in the SEC tournament. They'll be taking on the Volunteers who are the four seed in the league. That'll be the game that follows Alabama and Mississippi State. And so if, if Alabama takes care of business, Travis, against the Bulldogs, it's either the Gators or the Vols the following day. Yeah, I think it's a good matchup for Alabama if it is Florida. Florida's built in a way in which I don't think they can really give Alabama the kind of problems that, say, Tennessee can. And I know Alabama early in conference play went into Knoxville and absolutely took care of business. Tennessee's kind of one of the great mysteries in college basketball this year. You look at the talent. You look at Eves Pond's back. Fulkerson, they've got the veteran presences, especially in the post. Uh, they have a couple of freshmen that were on everybody's radar. Um, seemed like a good mix. You got a veteran coach there in Rick Barnes, but for whatever reason, just haven't been able over extended stretch to really get that thing going. That being said, again, you understand Tennessee uh, from a personnel standpoint, I think the tougher matchup if it comes down to it between the Gators and the Balls. The Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in. The Twitter feed is talking underscore Tide. We're going to thank a couple of sponsors of the show right now, beginning with North River Dental Associates and Dr. Jack Smalley and his team of outstanding dental hygienists. They'll take care of all your dental needs, your family's dental needs. Get in there twice a year for your routine cleaning like you're supposed to, uh, and they will have you in and out of that chair in no time under an hour typically on routine cleanings. And I'm not talking about an under an hour in the chair. I mean, under an hour door in and door out that includes your weight. Uh, they don't pile up that waiting room over at North river dental associates. It's easy to find right off of 82. As you go toward Northport. you dip down watermelon road. It's right there beside West Alabama pediatrics in Fairfax park. They're great with dealing with the insurance people as well. That can be a hassle sometimes. Not the case at North River Dental Associates. You can make an appointment at NorthRiverDentist.com or you can give them a call at 205-752-3506. And Travis, uh, I just just today we ran a little heat pizza over to the staff uh, at North River Dental. Uh, for uh, a little SEC basketball treat for them. And uh, uh, always, always happy to uh, occasionally uh, drop some heat pizza by NRD. Can't beat it. Absolutely can't beat Heat Pizza Bar. And it's going to be a great place to be. It's always a great place to be, Heat Pizza Bar. But certainly in the coming days and weeks with March Madness in full throat, They're open for lunch uh, as you get later into the week, and so that'll be the case on Friday if you're in search of a great spot for that 11 a.m. tip-off on Friday for Alabama and Mississippi State in the SEC tournament, and you're in the downtown area. 
Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. First of all, the food, the pizza is second to none. It's absolutely tremendous. You all have heard me many, many times talk about the personal favorite, the Thai chicken pizza, but you can go any number of directions with the great pizza there. Also great salads, really good appetizers, starters, and then of course craft cocktails, full bar options. Frank and the crew there at Heat Pizza Bar, they're going to take great care of you each and every day of the week. Also want to tell you about Southern Ale House in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. As you head out towards Northport there on McFarland, you're going to find Southern Ale House. Been there seven years now, seventh birthday for the great folks there here recently at Southern Ale House. And I talk about starters. I haven't talked about those enough on the podcast when it comes to Southern Ale House. And, you know, the Dixie fries are outstanding. They got the house cut fries. They come with the sweet and tangy North River sauce. Uh, you're going to get the chopped thick cut bacon with those melted cheddar and jack cheeses, a little green onion, a little diced jalapeno to spice it up, to kick it up just a notch. The Dixie fries are outstanding, you know, and they have what I like to refer to as premium chicken tenders. Those chicken tenders at Southern Ale House, they're buttermilk brined, hand battered, and lightly fried, and they're served with that slap your mama sauce, which, by the way, with all these chicken sandwich wars we got going on in the fast food business, again, treat yourself to a premium chicken sandwich at Southern Ale House. And that slap your mama sauce, it's going to come on that yard bird. That's a personal favorite of mine. That's a grilled chicken sandwich. You're going to get some American cheese on there, thick cut bacon, a little arugula, on a brioche buttery soft bun there at Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. It's a grown-up chicken sandwich. Over it there. is. There's no doubt about it. It is. Big There's boy, no big girl sandwich, I'm, yes. Talk Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in. Chase Goodbread and Travis Rye. We're going to preview a little spring football for you here in the final few minutes of the program, Travis. Uh, here pretty soon, although the, the opening practice date not yet firm, uh, even though the A-Day date is firm, uh, but Alabama certainly fast approaching spring practice, which, of course, didn't even go off uh, in 2020 uh, due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So it's been, <laughs> been a couple of years since Nick Staben and, and his staff have even blown a, a spring whistle, uh, but they're getting ready to do it. And uh, definitely some questions to answer, Travis. Certainly uh, fair to say more work to do in terms of eyeballing uh, replacements for starters on the offensive side of the ball, I think, than the defensive side. Yeah, and it all starts, as we know, at the quarterback position with Mac Jones moving on and that run that you've had with Jalen and into Tua and then with Mac as a part of that 2017 recruiting class along with Tua. So it feels like almost the start of a new era in some ways, not just because of the quarterback position, but obviously those fab four wide receivers that you had there for a three or four year stretch uh, with Devonte Smith and Jalen Waddle making the jump to the national football league, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, the third doing that a year ago, Najee Harris moves on at the running back position. So man, when you talk about production and star power together, uh, you got to go back a little ways to recall a time where Alabama is at the end of a, kind of run like it's had here 
over the last three or four years. So it'll be fascinating to watch. Is Bryce Young in year two absolutely unequivocally ready to take over behind center? I think that's the expectation. Bill O'Brien is a dynamic you got to consider as the new offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Doug Marone taking over an offensive line that's got to answer a few more questions this year than it has in the previous couple of years. So you're right, Chase. Offensively, pick a spot, really. I mean, you yeah. can pick a position, and we don't have enough time on this particular pot to probably go through all the potential scenarios on that side of the ball. Now, on the other side of the ball on defense, they're losing some key people, too, just not as many. Uh, three, certainly to me, stand out, Travis. One at each level of the defense. Up front on the line, they lose Christian Barmore, a uh, potential first-round pick a guy who really came on at the end of last season uh, for Nick Saban's team. And uh, at the linebacker position, of course, it's Dylan Moses, who was uh, kind of a rock for Alabama at the inside linebacker spot. And then uh, finally, of course, in the secondary, you lose Pat Sertan, an outstanding cornerback, possibly the first cornerback selected in the 2021 NFL draft, Caleb Farley of Virginia Tech, uh, probably the other guy who might be in the running for that distinction. Uh, and there are some other losses on defense that are significant, Travis. But but for me, those three uh, kind of stand out as as the ones that uh, that Alabama is uh, going to want to shore up the quickest. Yeah, I mean, when you look over on the uh, defensive side of the ball, and we've talked about this in the last couple of days, and. You know, you love sort of the experience, those lumps that, you know, so many guys took back in 2019 when you had attrition, you had some unexpected injuries that struck you uh, in that front seven. You, you paid the price for it in 2019, but now the dividends start to come in, and they really started to do that in 2020. But a lot of guys that have played a lot of football, there's a few guys that you hope to see play a lot more football than they've been allowed to due to injury. LeBron Ray, certainly at the top of that list, is a fifth-year guy. Um, so it, it kind of starts up front and negative play production, tackles for loss, sacks, things like that. With Christian Barmore moving on to the NFL, you need a guy or two to step up there. You know on the edges, Will Anderson, Christopher Allen, if healthy, are going to be able to give you a lot of that on the perimeter. Uh, you know, and then some scenarios that we're, we're probably not going to entirely know everything about Chase until we get more into April, perhaps, uh, with this NCAA legislation and the one-time uh, transfer rule that yep. they're talking about for 2021-2022. And if that happens, maybe Henry Toa Toa is in the mix, for crying out loud, at the inside linebacker spot. The SEC's got to chime in on that, too, from the conference level, so... You know, those are some things out in the distance a little bit. But regardless, I think, you know, with Christian Harris and, and all the experience he's got in the last couple of years and, you know, guys that are vying for that other spot inside that have been around. Jalen Moody showed some good things when given a chance last season. So Toa Toa or no Toa Toa, I think you feel really good about that front seven and a secondary that returns four or five guys that played a lot of football last year. Tim Smith on that defensive line, a guy that I'm looking forward mm -hmm. to seeing how he develops. I think it, it, he definitely flashed and, and played well when he got his snaps uh, in 2020. Uh, do you see Tim Smith, Travis, as a, 
a guy who's, you know, really just kind of primarily a, a run stuffer and an effective one, but may, maybe not a crush the pocket guy? Or do you see uh, that pass rush potential in him where maybe he ends up being a, a bar more type who can harass the quarterback on a consistent basis? Yeah, if you're going to ask me for a couple of every down guys for the defensive line, those type of guys, I would say Tim Smith and LeBron Ray uh, would fit that mold. Um, and that's not to discount DJ Dale. A guy started 22 games over the last two years. So there's a role for a DJ Dale too. But if we're just talking about guys that can stay out there, first down, second down, nickel, dime, those type of things, I think Tim Smith has that sort of future in front of him, whether it's the season opener against Miami and Atlanta that he's in that role, maybe. Um, if not, at some point in the not-too-distant future, it's easy to envision him, especially in nickel and dime, you know, and, and coming along as an interior pass rusher, you know how you know how they like to do they do it. They like to go with, you know, maybe an end and a and a nose tackle that can get after the quarterback inside, and then they, you know, come with those outside linebackers and you know leave a Christian Harris out there uh, at the MAC position perhaps. So that's what they need to see happen. They need a Tim Smith or someone else on that interior uh, in those situations to come along to give them some give them some real pass rush ability. There you have it. That's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. We'll be talking more Alabama spring football, certainly in uh, coming editions of Talking Tide. And uh, when we reconvene, we'll be talking about the back end of the SEC tournament. Once the uh, Southeastern Conference tourney is in the books, Travis and I will crank up the podcast once again. Take a look back at that. Take a look forward at the NCAA tournament for the Crimson Tide and plenty more. So for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com and Southern Fried Sports Radio, I'm Chase Goodred of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television, and we'll talk to you next time right here on Talking Tide.